Welcome to the Spiritual Geek Out Podcast. I'm your host, Diane Hudock, where we have fun talking about the phenomenal and the fascinating. From angels to energy healing, from mystical places to mystical teachings, this is a place where we nerd out on the science of the soul. The mouth is the gateway to our health. A lot of people don't know that, which is why I am doing this episode. Dr. Sonda Moldovan is an internationally recognized speaker, award-winning periodontist, author of the book, Heal Up, Seven Ways to Faster Healing and Optimum Health, and a television personality and consultant on oral health, periodontics, nutrition, and anti-aging. She lectures on dental implants and nutrition at the UCLA School of Dentistry. She is a faculty member of the Global Institute for Dental Education, and she is the go-to oral health expert for the Emmy award-winning syndicated television series, The Doctors. In this talk, we cover a slew of fascinating information. We talk about root canals and their correlations with many disease states. We talk about titanium, mercury in the mouth, and autoimmunity, how every tooth is essentially a living organ, ozone and why you should know about it for your health, three different things that are required to develop periodontal disease, particular bacteria, and how that contributes to many diseases in the body. This and so much more we cover that I hope will kick the door wide open for you in your health and your wellness. And I might add here at the top that Dr. Sonda has been so generous in offering my listeners 20% off her things in her shop at the Beverly Hills dentalhealth.com website. If you just type in Diane 20, D-I-A-N-E 20, you can go to her shop after listening, get whatever you need. And she's just going to give you 20% off, no strings attached. How cool is that? So I hope you enjoy this episode. I hope it serves you well. And as always, pass it on to somebody else who could use it. Enjoy. Dr. Sonda, I am so happy to have you on this podcast today for very personal reasons, first and foremost, because you have made such a difference in my life. And I'm not just buttering you up because as you know, I have been around the globe (laughs) searching for the best dentist and I have not had very good luck until I found you. So my intention is to first and foremost, share you with my audience and anyone that pops on to this podcast. And I hope that it will serve them in their journey for their dental health and wellness. And also where you can shed some light on all things holistic dentistry and why that can be such a game changer in one's health. So thank you so much. Diane, it's a pleasure to be here and thank you for that heartfelt compliment. You know, it's an honor to to be your dental provider and I'm happy to share any of the knowledge I learned along the way from different physicians. Yeah, not just in the United States, but uh, in Europe about biological dentistry and how it can change someone's health. Wonderful. Well, let's start there. What is the difference, if there is any, between biological dentistry and holistic dentistry? 
or is it one in the same? Um, many of times biological dentistry is interchangeable with holistic dentistry. And unfortunately there's no standard for either one. So as also your experience has been, you can go to 10 different biological dentists and you're gonna get 10 different answers and none of them really are standardized for what we are looking for. So uh, we're really kind of left to, as biological dentists, um, holistic dentists to, to learn on our own and just create our practice as I have based on what I learned. Mm. Were you trained then initially more the traditional route, like the allopathic route, and then you just started going down the, 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 the channel, the, 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 the slide into deeper knowledge of, wait a minute, this doesn't sound right. That's exactly right. I, I did my residency for periodontics at UCLA because I was always interested in the biology of things, how, how our cells grow, how they regenerate, um, you know, what makes us different. And I finished my three-year residency there. And uh, I, I didn't understand why I would do the same surgery on two different people and one would heal great. And the other one, I did exactly the same thing. And it just like would heal poorly. So I started looking into nutrition and um, I started going to integrative medicine conferences and learning how our bodies heal. And um, I integrated nutrition in my own life. And I saw the difference, how I've changed even in, in the way I felt and the way I was thinking, you know, because at the time I didn't realize how much gut health and oral health is related to mental health. Right. And um that's so I started reshaping my practice. I started uh, prescribing nutritional interventions to my patients and they all said, wow, I'm healing better. I'm feeling better. Mm. So uh, that's how I really started just as a curiosity, how I can have everyone heal optimally. Mm. So uh, yeah, that was back in 2006. Wow. I love it. Well, you say, which I agree with wholeheartedly, um, the mouth is the gateway to health. Can you explain why that is for people that aren't aware of that? Yes. Uh, I mean, our mouth is, is really a window into our health. So when I look at the mouth, I can tell if somebody has nutritional deficiencies. I could help tell if they have immune problems. Um, I can tell if they're stressed, you know, people that have would really wear down their teeth, um, if somebody has dry mouth, uh, like what's their internal system doing? So I can tell a lot of things. So our mouth is really the gateway to our health, but also in the way we are, we are receiving food and the way we're chewing and the way we're absorbing things. And if we don't have balance, uh, you know, in the way we, we take in nutrition, also that affects our health. So the mouth is the gateway to our health for so many reasons. If we keep a healthy mouth and the mouth looks healthy, no inflammation, no cavities, then that shows us that our body is indeed balanced internally as well. How can you tell if someone has immune problems? What's the telltale signs of that? I can tell if somebody has immune problems when I look in their mouth and I see uh, gum inflammation. There's not a lot of plaque but there's gum inflammation. Hmm. Okay. Also, if somebody has a patchy tongue, uh, 
a lot of people show up with patchy tongue, meaning almost like an autoimmune deficiency. There's an autoimmune issue where, where the body eats itself up, like it eats up the papilla on the tongue. Wow. Yeah. Fascinating. Mm-hmm. Well, I really agree with a lot of what Weston A. Price reports. And um, that was after going through my own dental journey and realizing that root canals were not the way for me. <laughs> and toxic materials in dentistry have created a great deal of havoc for both the dental world and I think patients alike for well over a hundred years. And we'll go into some of those things, specifically mercury fillings, nickel crowns, root canals, and cavitations. And as I researched further, I noticed an article that showed a sharp increase, this was wild, a sharp increase in autoimmunity in 1975 after high copper amalgams, which released 50 times more mercury than mercury fillings alone. And then I found the incidence of MS go up from 8,800 cases a year to a whopping 123,000 cases a year at the same time period, all correlated to these high copper amalgams. (laughs) Sort of an overarching, yeah, a sort of overarching question here, who and why would someone deem mercury one of the most caustic metals in creation, safe for the body? and put it in the epicenter of our health, be it the mouth. <laughs> yeah, I agree with you. I mean, you're a great researcher, by the way. I'm impressed you found those articles. But yeah, and, and you know, in school, when I went to dental school, uh, I had to learn how to put mercury fillings in order to get my license. Mm. Uh, and unfortunately, wow. this is still being done in this country. There's a lot of children, especially like Medicaid, you know, Medicare children that are getting mercury fillings in their mouth at a young age. Wow. Uh, when actually, in fact, a lot of countries in Europe have banned mercury fillings from really? being Okay. Wow. And uh, there was studies done, actually, as you say, that on sheep initially in animals back in the 70s to show that if you put a amalgam filling in a sheep, let's say within a month, they sacrificed the sheep and they found mercury in the liver, in the kidneys, in the fatty tissues within a month. Wow. And unfortunately, I had that story. I grew up in Romania and I had 16 huge mercury fillings in my mouth, which caused me to have mercury toxicity. You know, I had headaches all the time. um, And I didn't know at the time, even going to the dental school, nobody said, oh, you know, their mercury fillings are toxic. On the contrary, put Mm -hmm. more in. So, um, you know, after I had my mercury fillings removed, uh, which by the way, I had them removed unsafely because I didn't know at the time that, you know, I was going to inhale all this toxic fumes. Uh, I got more toxic. So I started having blurry vision and finally got my mercury level tested and it was off the charts. So I had to have chelation for years just to get the mercury out of my body. And for those of you who maybe have had chelation, you know, as the mercury gets pulled out via IV, it's, it's actually, it can cause a lot of symptoms. For me, I had more symptoms during chelation. So my preference would be an oral chelation for myself, at least in order to be an oral chelation. 
So um, there's different kind of herbs and supplements that you can have for to chelate the, the, the mercury out of the body. It okay. is not as efficient as IV, but it's a lot gentler. It does take longer though. Is that like zeolite? Zeolite, exactly. Um, any kind of like cilantro type, you know, chlorophyll, uh, things like that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And I guess we'll shift gears here to root canals. And uh, I'll just use myself as a sort of anecdotal <laughs> reference point because I have a very strong opinion, non-doctoral opinion about root canals after having four and they all failed. And two of which you fixed because you discovered cavitations, which we'll go into. And mind you, the ones that you fixed and pulled out and said, no, these need to go, they were redone three times. And I might say three times by one of the top, you know, uh, root canal specialists that did holistic dentistry before I met you. So they used ozone, they used sound waves, they used the best of the best, and they used that high level microscope that most standard periodontists or oral surgeons do not use. So they can't even see on a microscopic level. And yet they say, oh, you're good. You're complete. See you later. And so she had the top of the top and it still didn't work. And I developed an infection. So I just go, what's the point? And then to my point, I want to just read to you something I pulled directly off the Western A. Price site around root canals and have you comment on any of this. And uh, bear with me, folks, it's a paragraph, but in this article, they say healthy cells have a code imprinted on them, and it's called the major histocompatibility complex, MHC. And this is your personal code called self, and your body considers um, other code or alternation of this code to be the non-self. So the immune system is trained to kill and eliminate any non-self invaders. And if an atom of mercury attaches to a normal healthy cell, a haptin, H-A-P-T-E-N, a haptin is formed and the immune system immediately attaches, uh, immediately identifies that cell as a non-self. The immune system then proceeds to kill the contaminated cell. If mercury attaches to a nerve cell, the result is a neurological disease, such as multiple sclerosis, Lou Gehrig's disease, seizures, or lupus. If mercury attaches to a binding site on a hormone, that endocrine function is altered. Mercury can attach to almost any cell in the body and create autoimmune diseases and other issues. And lately it has become evident that toxins from anaerobic bacteria, such as in root canals, have the same ability to create non-self autoimmune diseases by interfering with the MHC. And this is the project that Dr. Price began to study a century ago. Resistance from organized dentistry was the same then as it is today. Price wondered why dentistry was considered a quote unquote health profession. And I might add, he said he was concerned about the pathological bacteria found in nearly all root canal teeth of that time. So what say you, Dr. Sanga, <laughs> about root canals? Do you, are they good? 
are they sometimes good? Are you like, forget it? Is it a matter of convenience for people and they just don't want to pull their tooth? Well, what I can tell you is that I take out a lot of dirty root canal teeth that even smell as I take them out. And um, you took out mine and you showed me they were black. That's exactly right. And that's very common. So the root canal itself is not the problem is the bacteria that's left inside. I guess the technique is too archaic to be able to clean out inside the tooth. Okay. We don't have yet the technology to clean out all the micro channels that are present, let's say inside a molar even, which is in the back. If you actually put these micro channels side by side, that channel will be two miles long. What? So, it's impossible for any of us with the technology we currently have to clean a tooth from bacteria. And endodontists know this because it's in their journal in the last 10 years that root canal teeth have 50 times more bacteria in them than healthy teeth. Wow. They all know this. But they say, well, it's not clinically relevant. How is it not clinically relevant? Exactly. Because they feel that our immune system keeps up with it. And if we don't see an actual lesion or, or hole in the jawbone or a cavitation, the term we refer to, it's not a problem. But what I can tell you is for myself, I had a root canal tooth. I had done when I was 14 years old in Romania. It didn't have a lesion or a cavitation around it. But every time I flossed around it, it smelled. Mm. And it started to turn dark regardless. And it could be that I have you know, a good immune system that it didn't create that cavitation, was holding it all inside. But what I can tell you is I, I had heart palpitations. Uh, at the time, I didn't really attribute it to the root canal tooth. I had digestive problems because this root canal tooth was on the, my, my meridian of digestion. And I had this tooth removed about six, seven years ago. And I have no more heart palpitations and my digestive problems significantly improved. Wow. So I've lived it. A lot of the things that I treat right now, I've actually lived them myself. And I can tell you is my root canal, as well as many that I take out, they smell and they're dark. Mm. So for myself, I would not get another root canal tooth. And I tell patients this, you know, it's your body's your choice with how much toxins you want to live. Uh, but I do inform everyone that, you know, no matter how good the, the root canal specialist is, it's impossible for them to clean out all the bacteria. And what's worse, now we have a dead organ in our mouth and bacteria goes back inside there because it can, it's not sealed perfectly and it can live there and breed there and become like a center of, of chronic inflammation. Mm. Thank you for breaking that down. Can you talk about how every tooth is considered a living organ and each tooth lies on or sits on a particular meridian, like you just mentioned, and why that's important? Um, I was actually taught this, uh, my acupuncturist that I work with about the meridian 
um, tooth chart. And uh, you can find these on the internet. I have a big one in the office. Uh, and oftentimes I ask patients, you know, do you see a correlation? Do you have any other issues in that particular area where you have the tooth infection? And most often we see that people say, oh yeah, you know, my liver, I do have liver issues. I do have gut problems. Um, so the, the, moment I actually remove the obstacle from the mouth that's on that particular meridian, something else in that meridian gets better. That's mm. what we typically find. So the energetic meridians have been established a long time ago. And even the National Institute of Health actually studied acupuncture meridian, and they did agree that there's truth to it. Mm. That, and they do um, endorse it. Uh, we don't know exactly, you know, the wiring, the body is such an amazing uh, organism and the way it's wired and, uh, we're all energy after all, but the energetic meridians all pass from the top of the head through the teeth down to our toes through different organs. Right. That makes me think as, uh, in my work as a biofield healer, we look first and foremost, or we focus first and foremost on the electrical body, recognizing that the electrical body informs the physical body. And so we know that we are made up of just, a, we're one giant circuit board. We're actually like a Tesla resonating conductivity. And if that's true, and our bodies are wired kind of similar to a Tesla, you know, cord or um, coils, and we have these meridians, that are electrical, why would we put something that is conductive like titanium in the mouth that could throw off the electrical system? What's your take on doing titanium and does it or have you seen it or what's your belief that it can affect the electrical conductivity or balance of the electrical body? All metals in the mouth, are present in a wet environment. And this is the problem. And some metals like let's say mercury or stainless steel crowns that we have in the mouth uh, are actually highly conductive in the presence of saliva. Especially when you have, let's say titanium next to a mercury filling. I've actually seen that those kind of implants fail more often than not because of the electrical circuit that's creating. So it's basically two metals in the mouth in two different places in a wet environment creates a battery. Right. So we're, we have this galvanic current. And I've had patients with real symptoms to the point where I remember I had this older lady. She had a upper mercury filling against a metal crown on the bottom. She had symptoms in the entire side of the body. From the moment she woke up, she said her headaches would get worse. The whole side of the body got weaker. Wow. And when we removed those metals, completely changed. She, all her symptoms went away. And we do see this. I do see it more with mercury stainless steel crowns than titanium implants inside the bone. And I think the reason why that is, is because once it's inside the bone, it's not conductive in the mouth because saliva is not in touch with it. Mm -hmm. But uh, titanium has a, the lowest grade conductivity out of all the metals that we use in the human body. Oh. Um, and 
it depends on the person. I've had, uh, you know, even people in my own family actually who had titanium implants and they said, you know, take them out. I don't feel well. Take them, you know, because I, I feel something. There's something always there. So I did remove them. I placed ceramic implants and, and, and it, people feel completely different. Mm-hmm. I've also had an energetic healer and um, she said, you know, I think I, I want to try a titanium implant, see how it is. Okay. So we placed a titanium implant for her. This was, I don't know, six, seven years ago. And um, uh, she came back. She said, you know what? I'm feeling something. I'm feeling something here. So she had me remove it and I placed a ceramic implant. And uh, she said, it's a completely different feeling in her body. And this is somebody who is very much in tune with her energetic body. And as you know, not everybody's in tune with their energetic field. So there's millions and millions of titanium, titanium dental implants and hips that are being placed. And most people don't have symptoms, but I have quite a few patients, probably because of the nature of my practice, who come to me and say, you know what, I'm feeling the, the titanium, I want it removed. And unfortunately, most dentists will not remove it unless they actually see an issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have titanium in my knee from a really bad ACL um, accident, and I got it years ago. But right after that, I started finding that I had autoimmune disease. So who knows if that triggered anything? I would guess it would have. There's actually a, uh, an article uh, that's written uh, just in the last five years in environmental research. And they found that uh, in people with uh, predisposition to autoimmune issues, in the presence of titanium, nickel, mercury, and there were a couple of other metals, um, their autoimmune was found to get worse, their status of autoimmunity in all patients, not even a percentage in all of them. Wow. So unfortunately, I think the titanium ions um, that are being released from the surface of any dental implant, we know this, we find this in all our major scientific journals, that titanium ions migrate off the surface of an implant into the tissues and into the lymph nodes. We do find them there. And I think it's also a genetic predisposition. You have to have a certain genetic um, uh, phenotype to allow for this autoimmunity to develop. That's one of the things we do know from the environmental medicine research. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, let's shift gears just a bit to bacteria. And there's many bacteria, as far as I'm aware, that correlate to certain disease states that you find in people's mouths. Is there, is there a main set of species that you see people coming in with that are contributing to their issue? I'm glad you asked because I'm so passionate about microbiome for the last few years, especially as a periodontist, what I deal with is a lot of periodontal disease. And Periodontal disease requires three things in order to develop. One, you need to have the genetic predisposition to it. Two, you have to have the right type of bacteria. And this typically gets passed on. A lot of people say, oh yeah, my mother had this, I inherited this. 
And three, it has to have the right terrain or the host, like the stress, the environmental stresses, because we live in the world of epigenetics and something doesn't really happen unless it's the right environment. So uh, we can control the environment and we can control the bacteria, but we cannot control the genetics. So as a periodontist, I always look, okay, what type of bacteria is someone having? And what's interesting, now we can test for 11 different types of periodontal bacteria that is causing bone loss and inflammation through saliva. Uh, what's interesting is that six of these different types of bacteria cause systemic problems. So every time, let's say our gums are bleeding, bacteria from the mouth enters the bloodstream and it catches a ride in our blood system and it can go somewhere else. And our immune system is not perfect. It, it can catch probably most of it circulating in the blood. But we know, for example, Orpheromona gingivalis. It's, uh, it's been called the stealth bacteria because it causes gum disease, but it also causes cognitive decline. Hmm. Uh, Dr. Bredesen, who worked, uh, he actually wrote a book called The End of Alzheimer's. He was the director of Alzheimer's Center at UCLA, and he actually has a holistic approach to reverse Alzheimer's disease. He's the one that says, you know, bacteria from the mouth ends up in the brain. Right. So the way we look at periodontal disease today, especially in my practice, if somebody has gum disease, the first thing I do is a saliva test. I wanna know, okay, do you have aggressive periodontal pathogens? Uh, are these affecting your health or potentially affecting your health? And uh, the bacteria I mentioned, Porphyromonas gingivalis also, causes rheumatoid arthritis. Mm, fascinating. Mm -hmm. I know a lot of people with rheumatoid arthritis. Yes. <laughs> and PG, we call it PG for short, uh, has been found in joints. Wow. And speaking of ozone, ozone is one of the best things we have to deal with periodontal organisms and to keep them under control. And I know integrated physicians that inject ozone in the joints in order to sterilize the joint and help improve the inflammation. I'm so glad you mentioned that because I have your ozone tumbler. I don't know anyone else that has this technology and it's helped with my sensitivity. And also I had a lot of bacteria in my mouth because I did that test with you. I have yet to do the, the post sort of results, but I can tell you how I feel, you know, in my mouth, I can tell the sense can tell you my severe sensitivity has gone down quite a bit. I can actually swish my mouth with regular or even cold water and not have a freak out, which to me is a great day. I mean, that's a big deal for me. And um, anyway, you were saying in passing one day in your office that you did studies or you found that in people's labs before and after using the ozone that the levels went way down. Absolutely. The way we treat this bacteria, aggressive bacteria, it is definitely a holistic approach since it's systemic and it's very resilient. So we can treat it in the office, but we needed a way to, for you to at home every day to control the biofilm, to kind of turn it to a more friendly type of uh, um, environment. Mm -hmm. So ozone water is the only thing I found that and chewable probiotics to help us reverse inflammation 
turn around the biofilm from a pathogenic, meaning disease causing, to a supportive or protective biofilm instead of, you know, just killing everything. You know, I'm not of the opinion, you know, try to sterilize your mouth. No, well, that doesn't work. We know that we've been trying to do that for, you know, 60 years in periodontics. And we saw a lot of people coming back with the same symptoms. So we know that actually building a protective layer of bacteria is really the key to oral health. Yeah. Is it coming back because it's just rising up from our bloodstream because it's everywhere? It's in our gut? Exactly. It's, it's coming back from the bloodstream. It's, it's actually sitting in the tubules. So we use ozone also in the practice when we do the full mouth disinfection for patients, because ozone is the only thing I have as a periodontist that can penetrate inside the tubules of the tooth or the pores, because the teeth have pores, just like skin, and, and to be able to, to get into the bloodstream, because ozone does go into the bloodstream. It gets picked up by the circulation around the tooth. So really it's, it's the only way for us to really kind of sterilize the mouth. And then at home by using the ozone water, which is actually very simple. It's amazing to me that these engineers came up with, with a, like a simple gadget where you pour tap water in, yeah. you press a button and in two minutes you have ozone water. Yeah. It's incredible. It's a game changer. You mentioned probiotics and I take probiotics and prebiotics, but uh, this is, I think, really important because it's not necessarily about taking that for the gut. Chewable probiotics are completely different as it relates to dental health, opposed to just taking it for the gut. Can you break down why that is? Absolutely. And we started looking at probiotics in dentistry about eight years ago. In 2010, they started their oral microbiome uh, studies at Scripps University, and we started learning about uh, the oral biofilm. And what we do know is that certain bacteria in the lactobacilli group has a protective effect. They're even anti-cavity. What we do know is when we give children a chewable probiotic, it decreases their rate of cavities. Which is pretty amazing. We, we, you know, we don't really have anything else besides fluoride, which is actually toxic. Uh, you know, we're not, we're not advocates of fluoride at all because it decreases the IQ in children when ingested. Uh, but a chewable probiotic protects against cavities. And also we find it to be anti-inflammatory for the gums. Mm. One of the lactobacilli, actually, there was a study at uh, Mayo Clinic, they found that in one year, they studied women uh, and bone health, and people that had a higher level of this lactobacilli species had higher bone density. Get out. We don't exactly understand yet the mechanism, but what we do know, and uh, Dr. David Perlmutter put this in his book, uh, Brain Maker, is like bacteria talks to our genes. So it, it, it has this ability to talk to our cells and have it do certain things. So if you have a presence of anti-inflammatory bacteria, your cells will be happier compared to you know bad bacteria when you, it creates inflammation. So uh, yeah, fascinating studies coming out on, on probiotics and, uh, and health. Fascinating. I had a guy on a earlier podcast who has a CBD company, really integrous guy. And he was telling me studies that they have out now about CBD 
uh, and how it is 50 times more effective in breaking down plaque and back. I don't know about bacteria, but I definitely plaque uh, than like a regular Crest toothpaste. Now, obviously Crest toothpaste has fluoride in it, but just as a comparative study, we know that we don't need fluoride. We could use something natural like CBD, which is, I believe, talking yeah. to my Chinese doctor, she said it's a fire herb. So it goes in and it burns like things like mold. It actually burns away what is not needed like a bacteria or mold. Interesting. I mean, I love CBD. You know, one thing about CBD, it helps for people with clenching as well. Ah, because we have CBD receptors on our brain, on our cells, and uh, it's anti-inflammatory and it decreases um, clenching and grinding at night. So I recommend it to people at night as well. Mm, great. Now, kind of a curious, nerdy question here. Can we grow teeth? Now, I heard that they're doing this with Petri in Petri dishes and labs, growing bone, no problem. How far away are we from putting a drop of that stuff in our mouth and building that? <laughs> yeah, that's a great question. So this is, we're going back to teeth being organs. If we look at the structure of the tooth, it has calcified structure like bone because teeth are bone. But inside the tooth, we have a nerve. We have a blood vessel that goes through there and these microchannels. So we can recreate the calcified structure, but it's very hard to create the shape of the tooth that where it's coming from. Um, and also to create that whole nerve and artery and vein that goes through the tooth. Like, you know, livers, for example, it's just the tissue it's easier to recreate any kind of tissue or skin or fibroblast, things like that. But the tooth is such an intricate organ and every tooth has a different shape right. and actually genetically give the signal to build, let's say, you know, a front tooth versus a back tooth. We haven't mastered that yet. Hmm. So I think we're still quite ways away from recreating that. Our mouths have changed dramatically over the centuries from our, our ancient ancestors. And there's a guy out there, his name is slipping my memory. I can't remember this guy's name, but he talks about how our jaws have gotten smaller. Our mouths have literally gotten smaller and so like with my son, for example, they're now opening up the palate, right? To create more space because um, our mouths are getting smaller since I guess the beginning of the industrial revolution, but even way, way, way before that. And these uh, anthropologists or archeologists that were digging up these bones um, of our ancestors, these people had apparently next to perfect teeth and much bigger jaw bones and no bone loss. What is the deal? Why do we have so much bone loss? And what can we do about that? 
Yeah, that's a, that's a great observation. And Western Price talked about this as he was going to different countries and looking at the tribes and how their teeth were formed. And he actually was the first one that I know of who came, uh, who showed that, you know, the tribes who were eating the fibrous foods all day long, uh, like maybe 100 grams of fiber in their diet versus the Western diet, which is 10 grams of fiber, uh, you know, at the most. And that stress on the jaw bones causes the jaws to develop. Ah. So I think it's the introduction of processed foods that really, you know, caused us to, to not have the jaws develop to, uh, so the crowding is starting to happen. Right. Mm -hmm. Can you open up your palate? Like I have some crowding on my bottom teeth, but I'm almost 50. Can I open my palate or is it basically, no, you're done growing you can't change the size of your palate. You can't put bone in there, open it up and have bone fill in. Uh, from an osteopathic perspective and the osteopaths that I work with, um, they say that the sutures or the midline is always open and it can be modified. As long as we're alive, bones, if they're given a certain stress, such as an expander, they can move. Um, and interestingly enough, sometimes just doing myofunctional therapy um, can change the structure of our jawbone. As we learn to develop our tongue and to speak differently. Also, you know, breastfeeding is very important. And that first year of life, it helps to develop our palate. Um, so even as adults, we can still work on expanding the palatal area, especially for people suffering from sleep apnea or they have breathing issues. Uh, even late into adulthood, we can change the shape of the jawbone. Yes, but you actually have great teeth and really minor crowding. I don't think you'll get a benefit from it yourself. Okay. I want to go back to that. How does breastfeeding shape or affect the palate? I've never heard that before. Absolutely. So basically, um, uh, the suction motion ah. forces the tongue to develop and pushes the tongue in the roof of the mouth. Wow. And that helps to develop the palate. And children who are not breastfed oftentimes have a narrow palate and they have crowding of their front teeth. Now, here's something fascinating. I had issues because I broke my tailbone when I gave birth to my son and I didn't have much milk to give my son when he was born. So I breastfed at best, maybe three months, maybe give or take. He has crowding and he is doing work right now with his orthodontist to expand the upper palate. Now his teeth are looking beautiful, but he essentially had that issue. So that's really interesting. Yeah. What we know is that everything matters. You know, there's a reason why nature, you know, uh, prescribed or is doing the things that we're doing. And it, didn't, it took me a while to realize this as going through osteopathic conferences to learn about what they do. And it's just 
very fascinating. But if you actually ask a traditional doc, they'll say, oh, no, your sutures are closed. You cannot change the shape of your head. Right. Not actually true. Yeah. Is there any dental technology that you are excited or to say the least, at least hopeful about that's on the horizon? That's a great question. I think for me, uh, what's really exciting is finding, correlating genetics to the way we treat the mouth. We're not there yet, but you know, I, I think about a day when, when you'll walk into a dental office, we'll take a drop of saliva. We can analyze the genetics that matter to your oral health. And we can adjust or prescribe certain things for the mouth that will essentially kind of downregulate inflammatory genes that we can see are high. Hmm. And, and I think that's the most exciting thing for me right now. We're still not looking at that. And I think everybody's so different. We're all unique in the way in our gene expression. Um, there's a company actually that I, I really have been following uh, out of Toronto called the DNA company. And they're doing this right now at a, um, a body level. So they have different panel like mood and behavior. So I was talking to them about actually developing something for oral health. Um, and how we upregulate and downregulate genes is really through lifestyle and uh, therapeutic uh, nutritional interventions. Hmm. Essentially. Wow, that would be a great day. Yes, I, I'm I'm holding that in the light. <laughs> <laughs> well, just before you go, I just want people to be aware of where they can find you the things that you offer that are very, very different and cutting edge compared to many other dentists, biological dentists, even out there, you have a wellness lounge. I'd love for you to just mention and talk about, and you've been so generous to offer a discount for people um, on your site, in your shop to get some of these incredible um, technologies. One being this ozone machine that's just I mean, I use it every day. I, I don't go home without it. I put it in my purse and uh, it's, it's just, uh, it's one of those things that's been a game changer for me and I want people to know about it. So uh, along with everything else that you offer. So could you just give a little bit of info on that and share whatever you think is relevant? Absolutely. Um, uh, you can find out more about biological dentistry at beverlyhillsdentalhealth.com. And I'm um, happy to give 20% off to for anyone on Diane's podcast. Uh, if you use the code Diane20 uh, for the ozone tumbler, which is essentially a tumbler that you put tap water and you make ozone water. And it's good, not just for the mouth, but it's a great disinfectant. Um, you can use it on your skin. On your, I use it on my countertops. Um, as a mouthwash, you can drink it, you can do enemas with it, so many things, it's natural. And I highly encourage you to use natural products for your mouth uh, that are going to nourish your mouth, not just you know be toxic. Um, and I highly want to recommend to you, if you haven't had a biological dentist really look at your mouth from a, a toxic, standpoint from a wellness and holistic 
uh, approach, I highly recommend that you, you seek out biological dentistry and give it a try and see how it could change your health uh, in many ways. Thank you so much, Dr. Sanda. I'll have all that info in the show notes so you guys can check that out. And uh, I just am so grateful to know you and thank you for doing this. This is awesome. Oh, Diane, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. I learn a lot from you from an energetic perspective. So uh, I'm blessed to have you in my life. Oh, thank you. Hey guys, thanks for checking out the Spiritual Geek Out podcast. If you like what you're hearing here, check out more by subscribing on your favorite platform or go to spiritualgeekout.com.